Hi, my name is Christian. I'm a sophomore at the University of Arizona and a reporter for the Daily Wildcat. On this episode of Cat Track, I spoke to Rocky Perez and we talked about his experiences with ASUA, his thoughts on the upcoming fall semester, and some more things. Hopefully you enjoy our conversation and if you haven't already, please follow Cat Chat on Instagram at catchatua or subscribe to the YouTube channel or sign up for the weekly newsletter. Thanks. How's it going? How's your week been? Um, it's been an uh, interesting week. I, uh, I've been kind of busy. Uh, so I currently work, uh, well, kind of. I uh, basically made my own internship um, because I kind of lost my job when everyone started getting laid off at the university. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order to like keep my professional ties, but also like continue my network, I basically... Uh, created my own internship under like different people under senior leadership at U of A um so I've been kind of doing that so I'm all over the place (laughs) that's cool is that like for like credit um yeah so I did I did uh I am able to get it from a public relations minor so I'm able to do that so it's been interesting cool (laughs) what about you uh I mean there's not much to do I'm in New York we can't really go out much but um yeah, you know, it's been pretty good. The, like before all this bad weather, uh, I was able to like, you know, go out on runs and stuff and kind of enjoy nature with my family. But uh, yeah. other than that, just writing for the Daily Wildcat, you know. Yeah, that's fun. I mean, you're never short of a story though, right? <laughs> no, there's a lot going on. I can say that. <laughs> yeah, especially with like now that we're officially going back, you know, it's like they're having in person and opening up the doors uh dorms which is interesting it is definitely interesting yeah i mean there's a lot of interesting things that like happened during the uh re-entry meeting yesterday but my favorite was definitely the food robots i have to say he said that like robins was just like oh yeah keep an eye out for food robots and i was like whoa what yeah that's not a shock to me actually because asua had actually looked into doing that last really um because nau NAU's been doing that for I think two years now. Right. I think they were um, out in 2019. I saw an article about that. Yeah. So it wasn't out of the blue, I guess, but it was actually a surprise that he actually went forth and actually did so just because our campus is like so open to the public, whereas like Flagstaff and NAU are almost one. <laughs> so it's a little uh, bit different community wise, but that'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm. It's going to be really different, you know. I'm sad that it's, like, happening only during my second year because, like, I don't, like, my college experience for the next three years could be, like, completely different from, like, how I imagined it or how it's been for other people. And so, yeah. I don't know. And I'm sure for you, like, I don't know. You're probably worried about, like, being able to graduate and, like, walk on the stage or whatever, which this past graduating class didn't get to do. So. Yeah, I think I think I've become a little desensitized to be honest. I think like realistically 2020 really like destroyed any like prospective college experience <laughs> I had. I mean, even before uh, uh we, you know, left for spring break, I throughout the month of February, I kind of saw it coming. And, you know, then ASUA elections happened, which was a very interesting time for me. Mm-hmm. Um and then literally elections happened spring break and then on the friday before spring break was over 
um, is when everybody was like, nope, nobody's coming back. And so, yeah, I don't know. From then on, it was like, it was a different trajectory. (laughs) I can't say the word. Um, But I think it's just like about like adapting because I mean, realistically, journalism is still going to be there. Public relations is still going to be there. Um, It's just in a different capacity. And I think we've adapted well. So I think if anything, we're privileged in comparison to the people that are like already in the workforce. So that's true. Yeah. There's a lot of people who like can't do work over zoom. Cause like, that's all I've been doing. Yeah. Like my whole daily wildcat experience has basically been over zoom doing like zoom interviews. And so, you know, I could say like, it's actually probably better because I don't have to like go to all these places and I can just stay in my house. Like all the people who are like food service, you know, all the people who actually have to be in person are either like laid off or they have to go into work and like, you know, risk their lives and their health, which is really unfortunate. But yeah, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see like what precautions we take as we go into the fall. And I'm sure people have a lot of questions. And Yeah, I think it's kind of disappointing too, because I mean, like, I don't know, like U of A kind of sets precedent for like the entire city for like Southern Arizona. So it's like, you know, even the whole state, open, you know, yeah. being the best Arizona school, you know, people look <laughs> but I mean, not even that too. And now that we talk about it, like, I think any of the Arizona universities, the public institutions, they kind of set precedent for everyone. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, how come ASU and U of A get to open and not my local business? So it does kind of set a precedent. So that'll be very interesting if numbers start to rise because of us. Yeah, definitely. We'll see. Do you think that they would like close again and send us home the same way they did uh, after spring break? Or do you think they'd be more hesitant to do that and just kind of weather the storm if we do see an uptick in cases? I think they would definitely weather the the storm because I think ultimately like, I don't think that they're really realizing that they can't control everyone. (laughs) I think that they kind of have this optimistic mindset that um that everybody's going to behave in good faith but at the end of the day nobody's going to be able to control chad and brad and (laughs) sig up from you know celebrating syllabus week with the entire you know fraternity and then bringing half of greek grow with them so right I, i think that they have a lot of other factors that nobody's really brought forth to them or they have brought been brought forth and they're just choosing not to to consider them so right yeah yeah sorry if you're in sig up or anything but <laughs> no i'm not no <laughs> i'm in like the pre-law frat we don't you know, oh and we listen we listen yeah we listen to oh, lawyers cool. come in that's basically i love it. that i was thinking of actually joining this semester yeah are you interested in the going into law um in a variation of law <laughs> like so i think like government uh so ideally, I'd love to work, uh, continue working in like government community relations. Um, and it's it's definitely a trend that you have to have your JD to go into a lot of those fields. So, or it's a desired qualification. So more than likely, that'll be what I'm doing. You're a poli sci major and a communications major, right? Political science and then... Uh, my minors in public relations, but I think that it's gonna become a major in the next year. So more than likely stick that out and just get that degree as well. Gotcha, cool. Uh, All right, so 
the main thing I wanted to talk about was uh, your experience with ASUA. Um, and I decided to talk to you because I see you a lot on like Instagram and Twitter. Uh, oh, you're one of the more like, I don't know, popular U of A people. Um, so I think, yeah. So I wanted to talk about your experiences in ASUA. Uh, I think it was, what was it called? At large Senator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I guess we could just start with like, what is ASUA, uh, uniquely from your perspective? Yeah. So I think that it's weird because, uh, ASUA's focus points are serve, engage, and empower. Um, but I think that one of the very confusing things is, is whether they're serving, engaging, and empowering the people within ASUA or those beyond the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, but ultimately, I think as a student government, uh, their, their tasks or their responsibilities until serving the greater interests of the student body. Um, and so they've been able to do that through different programs and services. Um, I think there's about 13 or so now um, and then advocacy efforts at the university administration level, uh, the city of Tucson, Southern Arizona, and at times the federal government as well. So it's a really, really great uh, combination of uh, different opportunities for both people within ASUA, but also um, advocating for the interest people beyond it. Mm -hmm. And so you ran for senator, I guess, in your sophomore year, would that be correct? Yeah, so I ran for, at the time it was, it was a senator at large. Um, and then during that term, uh, both myself and the current president of ASUA, Tara Singleton, um, we did a couple of changes to our Senate bylaws. So it's now student body senator. Um, gotcha. And so I ran again during my uh, sophomore year. Um, so I served two terms and then at the end of my junior year, I ran for president. Nice. Yeah. And so like, what were, I guess, some examples of policies that you passed while you were senator? Um, so I was a little bit all over the place. So I think I was very much in the learning phase my sophomore year. Um, but going into my junior year, it was definitely like one week after another with something. Um, so there was resolutions in regards to voter registration. So there was a partnership with Next Gen America. Um, and so one of the resolutions was in regard to promoting civic uh, participation, I think. Um, so that included one voter registration, but also um, enacting like a, a census campaign in some ways. Um, what became of the census campaign was a little bit different just because 2020 turned into a complete fiasco. Um, but I think that that one resolution alone was definitely my focus throughout the, the past couple of years. Um, and then another, another couple of highlights were um, resolutions in regards to equity and inclusion. So recognizing different situations that have happened across campus. Um, I kind of talked about it uh, at one of the A-board meetings in the last year, but uh, kind of highlighted that, you know, as a university, we've wronged every single marginalized community. We've literally checkmarked every single box. Um, so there was that. And then um, one of the big ones was definitely making the University of Arizona a Purple Heart University. Um, that was definitely one of the more exciting moments of being a part of ASUA, um, was being able to work with a group of students uh, to promote a part of the student body. Um, at the administrative level. So uh, that was kind of working with the president's office on, hey, 
uh, we don't want this to look like we're you know coming for you guys we genuinely want to work with you to create a Purple Heart University and so um, with the help of President Robbins uh, we were able to sign a declaration with the Order of Purple Heart and then um, I went a little bit further and we were able to get ASUA Senate to invest in a initial uh, Purple Heart scholarship um, and so when that happened it was a super exciting time um, I think Kirsten Cinema has even highlighted um, that on social media as well. So it was really cool to see like some of my work being uh, acknowledged at the federal level. I think she had even given an acknowledgement um, on the Senate floor at one time too. So super exciting stuff with that. Um, yeah. Other than that, I think it was just, uh, you know, any time a prevalent situation that happened on campus and we had to address it. Gotcha. So like, is there anything that I guess ASUA can't do? Like, what are the bounds of like, I guess their influence or their jurisdiction? Yeah, so I think it kind of, I think it kind of comes to what, what that administration's willingness is to be a friend or a foe of administration. Because mm-hmm. um, I think at the advocacy level, you know, it's, there's so much bureaucracy, you know, should I, should I say something? Should I not say something? Should I hold my relationship with this dean or the provost or the president? Um, so there's that inner working that becomes a little bit hazy. But in regards to governance, um, it operates almost like any other nonprofit organization. Um, you know, you can't contribute to uh, political campaigns. So that's why um, our club funding process is so rigorous because, uh, you know, Worst case scenario, we accidentally invest into, you know, college Republicans or young Democrats on accident, um, and that would that would cause ASUA to get into some legal trouble. Um, but other than that, there's not really any restriction. Uh, I think it's ultimately just what anybody's willing to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, could hypothetically, like ASUA pass like a resolution or something that like administration uh how, like can't impose like x amount of fees or um they have to start an initiative to create an open source textbook or something is that something within asua yeah so i think like asua would definitely serve it as an advisory in nature um because i mean anything that we say you know it can be quick quickly overturned by you know, President Robbins or the provost, I think that's a perfect example of the last couple of months alone, um, that, you know, what the students want isn't necessarily what administration can or will be willing to do. Um, but ASUA has been a part of deep systemic change at the University of Arizona. Um, and I think it's, it's also set precedent at other universities because at a time, ASUA was a part of... Um, I forgot what the, I think it was the Arizona Students Association, ASA, um, and that was basically a coalition of all three university student governments that came together to address certain issues, and they still do that time to time, um, but it's a little bit different. But anywhere from, you know, open source textbooks to, um, you know, there was a time where you didn't have to pay into certain fees at the university, um, and so, you know, ASUA was able to go straight to ABOR and actually um, get that taken care of at the highest administrative level to ensure that students didn't have to pay into stuff that they weren't using. Um, 
but one really cool thing too is that um you know as a senator um and in the future house of representatives um because i'm not too sure if you know aware of that but um in the legislative branch you can be appointed to different boards councils and commissions at the university level mm -hmm. um and so i think i've had i think i've served on about 12. <laughs> I, oh, wow. I was definitely the person who served on the absolute most. <laughs> um, but then I also had gone and served um, and was appointed by the city manager to serve at a couple at the city city of Tucson, under the city of Tucson. Um, so again, it's just a matter of what that person is willing to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, where does ASUA get its funding? Does it like get a slice of club fees or is it get funded by like uh, the university? Yeah. So it's a pot of a lot of different avenues. So one of the hugest ones is definitely from the bookstore. Um, so I think early on in the past couple decades or so, um, a partnership was created between the university bookstore. And so ultimately I think around 400, uh, 350 to about $450,000 from the bookstore um, that's collected through, you know, the sale of books, technology, all that stuff, um, ultimately goes into ASUA uh, to serve as um, different spending for student opportunities. And then I believe through the student services fee, um, they're able to collect funding for our ASUA stipends and salaries. Um, and so, there, there's a certain allocation in the student services fee that I think is automatic on a, a three-year or so basis. It depends on what, what that student services fee board decides to allocate to ASUA. Um, but there are, there, there's also some positions that are um, decided year to year. Um, so for example, the, the student legal services advisor, um, I don't think they have one right now. Um, but that is a perfect example of student services fees being used to serve students as well. Um, so there's that. And then also through uh, the University of Arizona's foundation. So anytime, you know, a donor, let's say a past senator wants to give, I don't know, $10,000, um, they can do that through the UA foundation as well. And so that's, that's actually the biggest way that Campus Pantry gets a lot of money as well. Cool, cool. Um, so after you served as senator, you also ran for president. And so I wanted to know, what is it like to run for president of ASUA? Um, it's really interesting. Um, there's actually, you know, despite the turnout, that was actually definitely like one of my most educational moments so far. Um, and I think I kind of left with, uh, with a greater turnout as an individual than it was professionally. Um, so I think one thing is definitely navigating the initial um, decision to run um, because it's, you know, you have to look at whether or not you could win, who would be willing to support you, but also what are your platforms? Um, you know, I think there was two or so years ago, there was a student that was part of Greek life and he had ran on the basis that he wanted to change the drinking age in the United States. Um, so, you know, that was very interesting. And, you know, whether or not he took it seriously or he was doing it for a joke, um, that does have a huge impact on students because, you know, what if he was elected? 
Um, ultimately, that's the person who makes, you know, multi-million dollar decisions at a, you know, student administrative level um, and how, you know, that year's student services might turn out and what the success of the university might be too. Um, because the ASPA president does have a say in a lot of these you know, huge issues. Um, so there's stuff like that. Um, but then also, you know, the elections process is a little bit weird. Um, it's definitely unique in comparison to other universities um, in that, you know, you can't run on a ticket. So you can't, you know, have a VP that you are running with and campaigning with. Um, so you have to do this, you know, purely as an individual. Um, but then also, you know, when you're getting signatures to even become a candidate, you can't say that I'm running. You can't say, hey, I'm running for president. Can you sign this petition so I can become a president? It's ultimately, you know, kind of walking around this, this weird line. Um, but then the, the actual election process is really, um, again, ultimately whatever that student wants to do. Um, so I think in my case, um, it was really interesting because this is such a heated time in equity and inclusion in our campus. And I ran on the basis that like, I really wanted to change a lot of those you know, systemic issues. Um, and so as a Senator, I had proposed that we make constitutional changes uh, to ASUA. Um, and so I think that at the time it looked like creating a mandatory position for a VP or a director of equity and inclusion and student wellness. Um, but ultimately, uh, you know, other people came into that, that conversation that didn't necessarily agree with me. Um, and it did turn into a pretty unfortunate situation because a lot of people were lying about it. <laughs> so oh. it kind of painted me in a really uh, ugly picture because it made me kind of look like I didn't consult students. Mm -hmm. uh, when in actuality, it was a proposal to consult with students. Um, uh -huh. Can you uh, elaborate on that? If you feel <laughs> so, basically, what happened was um, when uh, I had proposed this whole constitutional amendment, um, it was focusing on um, lightening the workload of the ASUA president mm -hmm. um, because, despite you know this belief that you know as an ASUA president you want the most absolute power. Um, not only did I want that for the potential, you know, chance that I did become president, but also I felt that for the success of ASUA, that the ASUA president shouldn't be stretched so thin. Um, and so ultimately, you know, you know, if a president's not answering emails or going to meetings or is having, you know, people in the moment having to attend things for them, I think that says something not about the individual, but also just the work, like the great length that someone in that position has to go. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's happened every single year. Um, and plus it's only a seven grand stipend and you're sitting at the table with people that are getting paid upwards to $895,000. <laughs> so it was a lot. Um, and so ultimately uh, the constitutional amendment was um, extending some of that workload to the president's cabinet in ASUA, um, but also creating uh, that equity and inclusion and student wellness position that ultimately uh, in my eyes would have been able to create a student community council that entailed representatives from um, you know, all the different cultural resource centers, um, any student centers, and then also you know, kind of similar to Senate at large people as well. Um, but ultimately it would have served advisory in nature. So unlike ASUA Senate, it wouldn't have to have so much bureaucracy and policy. 
standards. Uh, it would ultimately just be, you know, people voicing their concerns. Um, but then ASUA president, uh, one, didn't like me to begin with. Uh, and also the ASUA EVP and herself were dating. So there was a lot of workplace environment things that just weren't the best. Um, and so, you know, I did speak up on a lot of situations that I saw a lot of inaction. Um, and, you know, it's a little bit frustrating to be in my second year as a senator. Um, and, you know, people come to me and tell me, hey, I really want to do this. And I have to refer them to someone uh, who wasn't even going to answer their emails. <laughs> so <laughs> I can get into all that. But um, basically with that position, once uh, elections came along, um, not only was one of the ASUA president candidates um, from, you know, a severely marginalized community, um, but she also worked in equity and inclusion. And I do too, actually. Um, but I think she was kind of using that opportunity to kind of, you know, diminish my efforts and say that I had an agenda that I didn't. I genuinely, you know, I'm a first generation Latino student who's part of the LGBTQ community. Um, I think I kind of had a say in some of those things. So um, I think it was just a matter of, you know, politics and who's going to make it farther. So, yeah. Gotcha. That's tough. <laughs> um, what do you think about the um, then now elected uh, president? Do you think that uh, we're in good hands? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, me and Tara, we both had gotten into freshman class council when we were freshmen. Uh, we were both at-large senators our sophomore year. Um, and then going into our junior year, you know, I really confided in her in a lot of um, things in AS2A, whether it was personal or professional. Um, it was a bit of shock to me that she ran, to be completely honest. Um, but I do think that that kind of came about because of then current ASUA president. Um, but Tara is extraordinary. She's like literally one of those brilliant people like I've encountered at U of A. Um, I think my main concern now and even before, um, you know, elections was that I think that it was, this was definitely a turning point, a potential turning point for ASUA because it was an opportunity for someone who actually identified with the communities that ASUA serves. Um, and so, you know, I kind of touched on it that I am a first generation student. I'm self-supporting. I don't have parents. Um, and then also, you know, um, you know, part of the LGBT community. So I think I kind of identified with a lot of student communities, whether or not I reap the benefits of, you know, the LGBTQ community center or, you know, the Guerrero center, like I didn't feel the need to reap the benefits of those centers, but I actually knew where these people were coming from. Um, and so I think it would have been an amazing opportunity to bring that into ASUA. Um, but on the contrary, Marianne uh, Hassan, who is the administrative vice president, absolutely amazing. And I'm so excited for her, I think, to compensate for that lack of in ASUA. Um, I think she already has, um, you know, in the, the I forgot what the, which coalition it was, but um, uh, you were there. Uh, yeah, BSU was, and COBA, yeah. Yeah, and you know, that was, that was an unprecedented confrontation with President Robbins and university leadership. Um, and I, I don't think ASUA needs to be the friend for anyone right now. I think they definitely need to be um, very vocal about not only, you know, systemic racism or 
advocating for students, but also what's going on with the pandemic. So I think ASUA is definitely in good hands, um, but I do think that at some point there needs to be significant growth. Um, mm -hmm. I guess one thing to also add on there too is that um, despite the turnout of the election, uh, during the elections we were able to pass what became of my original constitutional amendment. Um, and so while they didn't agree with having a community council, they did create uh, what's now going to be coined as a House of Representatives in ASUA, um, which is interesting. Um, I know that from, the, from what I remember, there was representatives that are going to be, you know, from places on campus that aren't even centers or so I'm not too sure what that elections process is going to look like because it's going to be done per that organization that representative is coming from it's not going to be uh, voted on similar to ASUA Senate mm -hmm. um, so it's definitely going to be an interesting process trying to navigate that I think for um, the current ASUA administration because they don't have that familiarity mm -hmm. um, and so That'll be really interesting. Um, but again, on the contrary, more representation in ASUA, more student opportunity. Um, so, yeah, only good so, things. Do you know any more about the uh, House of Representatives? Because I was kind of confused. I remember seeing that on the ballot as like something we voted on. <laughs> so I was kind of yeah. confused. Like, are these coming? Are these representatives from some of the colleges or like schools within the colleges? And like, is this an advisory? I was just kind of confused. Yeah, do you know um, anymore? Just as confused as I am. <laughs> um, so good. it's weird because um, the legislative branch in ASUA, they have, they had previously the constitution allowed uh, the university to allocate no more than um, $50,000 at the most uh, per academic year. Um, and so what they were able to do was unfortunately decrease that 50,000 down to, I think either 25 or 30,000. Um, and then um, to, I think, compensate for the increase in compensation. Uh, so I think the House of Reps are definitely gonna be compensated the same way Senate is. Um, I think a little bit smaller, which is unfortunate because it's like, you know, I think that if anything, the House of Reps might be more representative than the Senate. But um, basically the representatives are coming from um not colleges but from uh the different uh, cultural centers um first cats uh the thrive center the vet center uh so any type of center on campus that focuses on a specific demographic of the university um will be able to appoint a student the only concern that i had with that was that how is that going to look? Because it's like, you know, what if there's, you know, someone who's in charge of, say, I don't know, a student center, and maybe that director has, you know, a fairly good relationship with this one individual, but despite their good relationship, they choose not to give that appointment opportunity in the House of Reps to someone who actually serves that individual community. So it's like, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of integrity issues with that. Um, because if, you know, if it's going to be appointed that way, um, it seems a little bit iffy. Mm -hmm. um, but then yeah. also, you know, if they're going to be voted in, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know how the election process will work or appointment process will work. 
um, but they'll ultimately still have the same uh, say in things the, the way that the Senate did. So, uh, you know, they'll be able to create resolutions, they'll be able to, I think, be able to attend, you know, administrative meetings, serve on boards and commissions and stuff like that as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, personally, like, uh, I don't know if an election process for House of Representatives would be the best because like we couldn't even fill, I think the College of Humanities, like no one ran for yeah. Senator of College of Humanities. So if we do wind up having elections for the House and it's going to have more representatives, then, you know, who knows if we'll even get most of the seats filled. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so like would, all right, with my limited knowledge of government, um, would it work? Would the House representatives work with the Senate in the same way that, like, in the U.S. government, like, both have to approve a resolution for it to pass? Yeah. So, coincidentally, you know, when when all of this was happening, uh, this amendment, this constitutional amendment, was passed by ASUA Senate um, to be on the ballot. Um, the one meeting that I didn't attend. Um, and I think that was done on purpose, uh, but, um, <laughs> um, but basically that would have been my primary concern because how is one part of the legislative branch going to enact legislation that the other body might not agree on? Um, and, you know, coming into this first year for this organization, what if, you know, this, this group of ASUA representatives are very vocal um, which is great, but what if their seemingly progressive ideas contrast the people that become ASUA senators who might be more establishment, I guess let's say, if we want to talk, like, consider it in politics, uh -huh. because they might have more of, like, that systemic knowledge that might not be more dream big as the potential ASUA representatives might be. Um, so how would that legislation work? So none of that was defined. <laughs> none of that was written anywhere. I don't think it was discussed. Um, and so I think that's going to be a very interesting uh, thing for them to navigate coming into this next year. Mm -hmm. And also on the other hand, right? So like if they do both have to approve it, like that would stall any resolution or any like, you know, yeah. policies that we'd have to enact. And then if they, if both don't have to approve it, then, you know, you might not get not necessarily like what the representative body wants or, you know, it might fast track it. And did you say that the details weren't written anywhere? Like, do you know if there's any way we can find? They were not. Um, so I think that you can actually go onto the ASUA website and it might be the latest version of the constitution that might be posted on there if mm -hmm. it's not on there. Um, that's going to be really unfortunate because that's actually against the law. But, oh. um, <laughs> um, I think that it was, I, I know that it definitely wasn't defined anywhere the way that the actual organization would operate. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was more so just the foundations of who's going to be a part of it. Um, but even that alone, so many concerns, because I think one, um, you know, ASUA Senate having the opportunity to receive $50,000 um, was huge because in the past, you know, all, a lot of the stuff that happens in ASUA um, or that has become of ASUA has started in ASUA Senate um, or a variation of what was the legislative branch. Um, so, you know, 
the programs and services they are adopted through ASUA Senate. Campus Closet, I think it was, that was something that we started our, I think it was during my sophomore year and it's now becoming a full-fledged program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Campus Pantry at some point, um, you know, was a student initiative that ASUA Senate ultimately decided to bring into ASUA and it's now become a one of the hugest programs on campus. Um, so I think that that decision to decrease the opportunity um, funds in ASUA Senate was definitely a huge punch in the face to students. Um, but also, um, I think it was definitely uh, taking away opportunity from prospective senators um, because, you know, for example, in, you know, the next census in 2030, oh, um, <laughs> that'll be, you know, That'll be another opportunity for a senator to come forth and say, hey, I want to make sure that students are being advocated for at the congressional level. Um, let's do something for the census. What if they're not able to afford, um, you know, programming or marketing materials? Because now I think what now is the spending limit is 25 now is now being split between 30 representatives in the House and wow. 16 in the Senate. So I think it definitely is decreasing the opportunity in the ASUA legislative branch. Interesting stuff going on at ASUA. All right. That'll be interesting as well to see what happens uh, with that going into this next school year. Uh, I do want to transition now um, to specifically talk about your campaign or your campaigning. Yeah. Um, so I noticed that you're very like uh I guess, media or tech savvy. Like I noticed you had a really nice website. Uh, I saw your posters everywhere on like the social sciences building. Yeah. So definitely had the name recognition. I can say that. Yeah. Um, So I was curious, like, um, what do you think is like the most or some of the most important things to pay attention to or keep in mind when someone is running a digital campaign of any kind um like so whether it be running for asua um if they just want to if they have an organization they want to raise awareness about um in your experience what have been the most helpful things to keep in mind i think what i might look out for might not be the same that most people should or would okay. i think as we all have our own individual interests is why people are so investigated right down to the T. But I think one thing that's really important for me is that in any position that I'm in or any time I meet anybody, I think it's really important to um, be very vulnerable. And I think that that was something I definitely exemplified more than anyone was, uh, I think my willingness to be vulnerable with people. Um, Because I think it's important when you're looking at someone, it's one, the foundationals, who are they? Why are they doing this? And so I think it was more so that purpose. Um, And then also um, the platforms. I've always hated the word platforms. I think it's really weird um, because it's like punchline. It's like, oh, civic engagement. (laughs) Oh, please. Or in that one guy's case, the drinking age. (laughs) It's really superficial and service level. Um, But I think that looking at what their interests are, Um, Because I think even having been in ASUA Senate, you know, I came in with those punchlines because that's what I was told I needed to have. I needed to have punchlines. And what became of 
everything I did was so much more and so much greater because I literally got to meet, you know, people at, you know, the United States Congress. Like I've gotten to, you know, sit across from the governor. I've gotten to do so many amazing things and meet so many interesting people. I wouldn't say great. Um, <laughs> but um, so I think it's definitely looking at what their interests are going to be. Um, but then also, what are they willing to do to get there? Um, you know, are they transparent? Are they willing to be innovative? Are they communicative? Because um, I think definitely one of my issues is how nobody, you know, people either don't know what ASUA is, people don't know who might be the president, people might not know, you know, what they do, what they stand for, or people might not even care. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, some of their decisions, you know, some of these people's decisions in ASUA could make or break a student experience. Um, they could create an opportunity for someone who hasn't gone here yet, um, or it can make life a lot easier for someone who does. So I think it's definitely looking at, at the root of an individual. Gotcha. And so like, um, say like someone was a freshman and they were interested in running for Senate or maybe applying for like one of the appointing positions like one of the things that I found out my freshman year was that there was a a youth basketball league for like middle schoolers and so I wound up being a coach for that by the way um so like there's so many parts of it that are like um you know people might not know uh what would you say to someone who wants to get involved in ASUA um you know is there a certain type of person uh what are like the best qualities for someone who wants to get involved? Um, I think it's, it's honestly, it's just a matter of you being passionate about something or not necessarily being passionate about one individual thing, but I think just being passionate about getting involved, helping others. I think definitely those foundations um, because, you know, not everybody wants to go and, you know, shake hands with a politician. Uh, Not everybody wants to go, paint canvases with the Wildcat Events Board or plan rides with Spring Fling or, uh, you know, talk about sustainability. Um, so I think it's just a matter of like what you're interested in. Um, so I think definitely reaching out to those people, um, reaching out to the ASUA president, I think just going into the office. Um, but I think as a freshman, m- my advice wouldn't be to get involved with ASUA right out, the, right out of, you know, coming in. I think it's definitely creating your foundation because ASUA changes year to year, the people graduate, it's very different. But creating a foundation for yourself around the university, finding a friend group, getting involved with the different clubs, meeting people, you know, in leadership positions at U of A, I think is definitely more important than going straight into ASUA. Mm -hmm. And so um, speaking of freshmen, you know, we have an incoming freshman class. We're going to be starting in a month. Um, you're a senior now, you've had, uh, I think, I guess about three years of experience here at the U of A. Um, what are your tips for incoming freshmen? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say definitely ask questions. Um, definitely get involved whether or not, uh, you know, you see yourself being in something for the long term. I think just, you know, kind of putting yourself in a position to be uncomfortable, um, or just meet new people is definitely you know, a growth opportunity. That's why you're coming to college. Um, But I think also, you know, appreciating the people that are around you, um, 
making sure that the people that are around you, people that, you know, uh, you know, that are willing to adventure college with you. Um, so I don't know. I think it's ultimately just get involved, ask questions and do big things. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I agree. All right. Uh, well, we're running up on our time here. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say or talk about? No, I think that's pretty much it. All right. Bear down, go cats. <laughs> <laughs> Bear down, go cats. <laughs>